Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP Practitioner Course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and we are here with another week with more value bombs, more stories from driven, incredible entrepreneurs just like you. And without any further ado, let's get into it. This week, we are talking vision. Yes, vision. And not just the, the spiritual vision, not just the, the practical vision, not just the vision for your business, for the impact in the world. We're actually talking about your, your natural sight vision as well. And I think as, as an entrepreneur, um, there's not a lot of things that are more important to me than my eyes. And, you know, I've, ever since I was a little kid, I thought, man, my eyes, like if I, if I couldn't see, that would change my entire world. Um, I never grew up with glasses. Then at around 18, 19, I developed the need for glasses when uh, I went to work in the mortgage business. And I started, to me, I think it was because I was looking at computers close up for a long time. And all of a sudden, my whole world changed. And I had glasses for years. And then I went and did my LASIK surgery. And now I'm 40. I'll see what's going on. I don't know. Um, But I'll tell you right now, if vision is important to you, my guest this week is Claudia Mullenweg. And she's the founder and CEO of Holistic Vision and a creator for the Naturally Clear Vision Method. She always hated her glasses. We're going to get into her story. And she's made it her missions to help other people see clearly and naturally, just like she's done. At 59 years old, she has removed the need for her own glasses. She graduated the College of Vision Education in London, England, and she's now become one of the world's foremost vision experts. Um, And she is going to be sharing the insights about how you can cure blurry vision, how you can get naturally clear eyesight without treatments like glasses, contacts, or surgery like I did. Claudia, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm great, and I'm super happy to be here, Matt. You know, at 59 with no glasses, that's the big thing that stuck out to me. That's the reason why I wanted to book you. Um, My wife and I both um, had glasses, wore contacts, got LASIK. That's all my story, but I'm really focused on this, you know, a newer generation, if you have glasses now, if you're seeing the vision shift and change. So I guess let's, let's get the cat out of the bag. Why is this even possible? Um, I've been told my whole life that it's not, it almost sounds like a woo woo conspiracy theory of like, you don't need glasses. Everybody knows you need glasses. Every, you know, at some point, if your vision goes bad, you get glasses or contacts or LASIK. So Can you break the myth? Can you explain why this isn't the case? What don't I know? So thank you for that question. And I love that question. So eyes are part of the brain, actually. 
the retina as part of the brain. And our vision is 90% brain and then 10% eyeball. So with neuroscience, right, we know that the brain is plastic, that we can train the brain and vision is really no different. So of course, the 10%, the eyeball, if there's any physical damages, you know, if there's an eye disease, then you have limited ability to, to change that or, you know, you have to address that. But let's assume the eyeball itself is okay then your vision actually happens in the brain. And an interesting story from one of Oliver Sacks' books that I really love, there was a guy in, um, who went blind by a freak accident in his 20s, and he practiced his visualization skills, like right because he had vision until he was 20, and he kept practicing that. And 20 years later, his visual cortex, that's the part in the brain where you actually see, was still fully developed, right? Even though he couldn't physically see anymore, versus with usually with blind people, the visual cortex shrinks like 40% or more. So it's, this, it's a, that's why I love the word vision versus eyesight, because our vision is way more than the physical aspect of eyesight, right? That, that in the moment, eyesight is only in the present moment, right? Everything is foresight, hindsight. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Can, okay. So the, the biggest myth that I got right away is that the eyes are not this, their own separate little thing. It's actually part of the brain. I've heard it said too that like, you know, the eyes are a muscle and you have to work the muscle. Can you speak to, is that true? If so, what does that mean? And how should we approach our eyes as a muscle? You know, you know eyes are an organ, technically, I guess, but I, I hear that a lot. And how do you exercise eyes? Maybe that's a bigger conversation, but can you just kind of speak to that concept? Absolutely. So the brain, right? And I'm just, I'm being really general here, but the brain is like the driver of our nervous system. And the brain tells you what muscle to contract, right? It's based on your attention. Let's say I'm looking at something. So then the brain is like, okay, I'm looking in the distance. I'm calibrating the eyes. So it's not so much that you train your muscles because most of the time in vision problems, and I don't know if you were nearsighted or farsighted or what the background of your vision was, but I could see up close, but I couldn't see far after a while. Okay. Which so you're near, that <laughs> that's, this is the other thing, right? People are confused. <laughs> that's nearsighted on myopia. And um, so in that case, um, now I'm trying to think what I was saying. Um, I lost my train of thought. But um, so basically when you cannot see in the distance, you're making an effort when you see in the distance, right? So you, you're not relaxed. And most of the time, oh yeah, I, now I remember. So when you're nearsighted, your eyeball is a little bit too elongated. And we have six very strong muscles around the eyeball. It's not just one muscle. And your brain basically tells the muscles, you know, what muscles to contract and how to move your eyes and how to focus. Um, so you have a strain. Usually the muscles are too tight. They're usually not too weak, right? It could be both. But people always think, oh, I have to strengthen my eye muscles. And most of the time, it's more relaxation so than strengthening. Like, like when you think about your hamstrings or, you know, your, in your legs, it's not so much strengthening them, it's stretching them. Like in the morning, not having them as tight, just like every other muscle, right? Right. So it's, it's really, it's both. But for most people, you know, and there's some studies that were done. So for nearsighted, um, if you were nearsighted, the obliques, there's two oblique muscles, one on the top, one on the bottom, is usually too tight making the eyeball a little bit too long. And for farsighted people, it's the four, rec they're called recti muscle, the four um, muscles around the eye. So it's, it's, it's both. It's both relaxing and strengthening. But what I want to say about relaxation, 
without going into too much anatomy, but you probably heard the different states of the nervous system. You've heard the, the rest and digest, right? And the fight or flight. We've You've probably heard of that, right? Most I haven't heard have. of rest and digest, but fight or flight, I think, is is fairly famous. So yeah, so fight or flight means it's that's stress, and we do need stress in our lives to you know to be safe, right, and to protect ourselves. However, if you're in that constant stress or that fight or flight mode, in fight or flight, your pupils are dilated, your peripheral vision shuts down, your digestion shuts down, your heart rate go, heart rate goes up, right, your adrenaline, all that stuff. In that state, your vision is never good. It's never perfect. It cannot be perfect. You can only have perfect vision when you're in that so-called parasympathetic or rest and digest state, which we should be in most of the day, unless, you know, there is a reason that we are in stress mode. Um, so that's why there's a constant tension, right? A mental kind of tension, like anxiety or nervousness or worry, and that will affect your vision because your brain, if your brain is not, or your mental state is not relaxed, your body is not relaxed. Does that make sense? You know, it, it makes perfect sense. I never considered it that way. But when you think about, again, all of the rest of my organs, um, my endocrine system, you know, all, the chemical balance of my body, my muscle tension, and even as simple as are you getting headaches or, or neck aches, you know, is my neck sore? A lot of that is if I'm feeling stressed out, I'm my body's going to react and tighten and tense. And like, you know, everyone knows that, right? You walk around if you're, oh, you look tense. Well, that's because you're stressed out. So your shoulders are up, your muscles are tense. Why in the world, if you're living in more stress, wouldn't the muscles around your eyes be also be more tense? And you're saying essentially, if I'm getting you right, that when the muscles are too tense around your eyes that are telling the eye where to go and what shape to be, it'll begin to pull and it might make the eye the wrong shape, which is going to change your vision. So stress yeah. is really directly, directly easy for me to say related to the shape of your eye. Am I getting that right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but to really basically say, if you are constantly stressed, you, you're not, your whole your whole system isn't working right. And eyes are part of the brain, but they're also part of the body. And, you know, everything that's bad for the heart, everything that's bad for your mental state is going to affect your vision. So the problem with traditional eye care is that they look at the eyeball as if it's not attached to a human being, right? They're just looking at this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know. Well, no, just like every other part of, uh, of um, allopathic medicine, right? They look right. at every, all oh, the gallbladder is not part of a person. It's just, do you need it or not? You're right. But it's like, it's a whole system. So everything, you cannot look at the parts separately. It's like, I always liken it to a car. You know, you cannot just take one part out and then expect the car to work. And in terms of good care of your vision, right? I always say, if you have a Ferrari, let's assume, you you know, you think of your body as a Ferrari hey, or let's an assume. Aston Martin, right? I, or maybe Aston Martin, I like those. But, you, you know, you wouldn't put like diesel fuel into a car like that. And we we kind of abuse our bodies with bad food and too little sleep and too much worry and not a good mental hygiene or emotional, you know, emotional stuff. We, we don't resolve those things and all that will have consequences in your body. And that includes your eyesight. Okay. You know? So, so I get the, the emotional stress, the fight or flight, how much does nutrition play a role realistically? Um, if I'm eating terrible food versus really healthy food, how much does it actually affect directly into my eyesight itself? And is, is the answer more just, about the same thing you said where the body is holistic in nature, it's a whole being, so everything affects everything? Or is there any kind of direct cor co uh, correlation 
you know, I'm thinking about carrots and beta carotene and, you know, the story of carrots give you better eyesight. Is there anything nutritionally we should be focusing on for, for clearer vision? Absolutely. And I love that question. So usually when you're young and you just said you were 40, so like usually before 40, like whatever you do, you will not feel immediate consequences, right? It's kind of catching up. But what, um, what I hear a lot from my students and clients, a lot of them are in their 50s, 60s or older. And they all, like a lot of times it's like, oh, you have an age-related cataract. You have an age-related macular degeneration. So all these eye diseases that are age-related are not age-related at all. They're definitely diet and lifestyle-related. So basically, yeah, if, I'm always if I'm saying over, that- If I'm overweight and I'm 50 and they go, oh, you have age-related uh, fatness, you have age-related back pains. No, I have weight-related back pains, right? Like it's the exact same thing? Right. So basically what I'm always saying, the crap that you've done over the you know previous decades at some point it catches up with you. Like your liver cannot detoxify. Like your organs are, you know, it's like a damage. It's like, like maybe if you like in a car, you know, if you don't take care of it, it might run perfectly fine the first 10 years, but at some point you're going to see, you know, the engine stuttering or the, it's not running perfectly anymore because you never did an oil change or something like that. So that's why nutrition is usually for you, you probably wouldn't notice right away if you eat a good diet or not. But when I hear all these, you know, students in their 50s, 60s, 70s, like, oh, yeah, I've had early cataracts or, you know, um, typical, like they call it even age-related macular degeneration, AMD, and that drives me nuts. And, and your question about foods, so your macula is the part of the eye um, that has the best and clearest vision. And when that gets destroyed with macular degeneration, you lose your sharp vision, you lose most of your color vision. And this is a very common, it's a common eye disease in older people, but it's not, it doesn't mean that it's normal, right? Common and normal are two different things. That's, and a, great, what you, that's a great distinction, by the way, common yeah. or just because the majority of people or a lot of people experience something doesn't mean it should be normal. Right. Wow. I mean, and right. that's such a principle for not just eyesight, isn't it? That, that's a principle for business. That's a principle for family life. Absolutely. I mean, I'm writing that one really, down, Claudia. That's yeah, really what, good. What I really want you to like, so diabetes is the leading cause of blindness in this country. And people usually don't think when they think of food, they think about their weight, maybe how they look, you know, stuff like that, maybe heart, you know, but they don't think about their eyes. And as I said earlier, usually when you're younger, you don't, you don't notice that stuff, but it catches up with you. So what your macular needs is lutein, Cxanthin and astaxanthin. So those are three antioxidants, and it's a yellow. It's a yellow covering on. That's why it's called the yellow spot. The inside the macula. It's called fovea lutea. That spot with perfect vision translates to the yellow spot. And so it doesn't mean that you have to eat yellow foods, but what you have to eat is those foods that are high in lutein and cxanthin, especially. And that's kale, spinach, all the dark leafy greens that you hear that you've probably heard so many times eat those dark leafy greens, right? right? The nastiest food has all the best uh, ingredients, <laughs> has all the best stuff, apparently. I know you can learn to love that. So can you say those those um, those two antioxidants a little slower? I want to make sure we capture those yeah. and then give me as many food examples that have that are high in these as possible. Lutein, so that's L-U-T-E-I-N, lutein, and then Cxanthin, and I probably don't pronounce that correct either with my German accent, but it's Z. E A um, X 
A-N-T-H-I-N. With my California accent, I'm not going to pronounce that right either. I don't <laughs> think anybody can. So Xianthin. Yeah. Okay. So when you buy eye vitamins, you know, when you go to the store and you buy those eye vitamins, those are the usually the two ingredients in them. Um, so any dark leafy greens, egg yolks too, if you eat egg yolks, have a lot of them. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So dark leafy greens is, you. But what I like about dark leafy greens is that they have so many benefits, right? So they don't just have this one thing, like you mentioned carrots, right? Carrots are great. They have a lot of, like you said, beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A, which is a precursor to rhodopsin, which is the plant pigment that covers the broad cells, which give us night vision. So at night, we don't have color vision. We don't have clarity. We have pretty crappy night vision as humans we are, because we're not predators, right? We, you know, we're not like cats. Sure. So, so we, for good night vision, you need that vitamin A. With, vitamin A only is an animal product. So I'm plant-based. But, but it doesn't mean that, you, that you're deprived. You have to just get the better carotene. However, what I want to say, two years ago, I learned to measure my blood sugar because my mom has diabetes and you know she's always, it runs in the family and there's nothing you can do and high blood pressure too. And I always thought like, I don't believe that. I believe I can do something. So I, I learned how to measure my blood sugar and realized that I was eating, I was drinking carrot juice every morning, right? Because it's good, right? We learn it's good. <laughs> and I realized all the sweet, the root, like the roots of vegetables, you know, like starches, I'm super sensitive. My blood sugar shot into diabetes ranges after eating, which they don't measure, by the way. When you go to the doctor, they only measure your fasting blood sugar, which could be normal, but you could still develop eye diseases. But then you go right? home and, and, and eat potatoes and take carrot right. juice. And apple right. juice and then or or you know donuts and everything else right 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 and you're exactly. through the roof i so mean it, so i go, go ahead. ahead no no no. i just wanted to say that you know so what i what i don't like is when people say oh eat these 10 superfoods you know they're the best for everybody everybody is different and when you start actually measuring things like your blood sugar after eating and you realize that what other people can totally tolerate fine raises your blood sugar into not healthy levels. Like, it, you, you know, that's the way I like to teach, right? To really become aware of your own needs. So there's a Matt Browning diet. There's a Claudia Mulevic diet. That's not one diet that works for everybody. All right, we're going to write the book. It's going to be the Matt Browning diet. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. You know, and your genetics are different too, right? The genetics, they, they, they are the underlying. The genetics, like what I like to say, they tell you how much you can get away with, really. Right? Yeah. That's a... You are full of great stuff. So I love that. So your, your genetics tell you sort of what you can get away with. Because, you know, I, I have a good friend of mine, and I'll shout out to Mitch in California. This guy, no matter what, at, at nearly 40 years old, he can eat anything he wants and he'll never gain a pound. And it's absolutely genetic because his family, you can see the trend. And, and there's someone else who, you know, whatever they do, it's like they have to work really, really hard. But I think the lesson takeaway is no matter what your predisposition is, what your genetics is, just because mom and dad and everyone had glasses and or has diabetes or has whatever the issue is, it doesn't mean that that's your destiny. There is There are ways to change that. And you certainly need to believe that so you can start focusing on change. And speaking of that, Claudia, I want to ask you the question I've been this burning on my mind is what about when nutrition and stress and all that isn't part of it? I have a, you know, thinking of a family of glasswearers, right? That mom and dad have glasses. They both had poor eyesight. And, you know, at three years old, four years old, you need glasses. Well, it's not because they're eating 
you know, McDonald's every day. You know, it's not, it's not all lifestyle at that point. Can you talk about the early need for glasses and what we should do with our children if the school or the doctor says, hey, your kid needs glasses, he's four years old. What's your that, approach to that uh, situation? That's really my favorite question. I mean, I got glasses at age three and you have to differentiate. I had something that's called strabismus or squint. My right eye was going in, I was farsighted. So all babies are born farsighted. So babies have to learn because when you're far, like when you look in the distance, your lens, your ciliary muscle around the lens that contracts the lens is relaxed. Your eyes are parallel. So the distance is like the relaxed state of your eyesight. When you look at something up close, you have to convert your eyes. You kind of think of crossing your eyes, right? In an extreme case, like as if you were looking at your nose, um, the lens gets bulges, bulbous, or like, you know, the ciliary muscle has to tighten to flex. Like think of your biceps as if you're flexing your biceps, right? So, so, the clo- several- so if you're flexing your biceps, the closer you get, the more tension you're putting on. Right. And right. I, again, it's- I never thought of it that way, but you, you look at your nose, it's really hard to do. But if you're an inch away or two inches away or a foot in front of your face, it's just that much easier. And then the, so looking far away is the easiest. Right. Okay. So basic, basically, um, so when you ask about why kids get glasses, so there's always several reasons. There is definitely how much time you spend at the near point is there has definitely an, an impact, right? It's like, if, think of that biceps again, you're holding a dumbbell for eight hours and you're flexing your biceps the whole time. And then you release that your muscle will be like really contracted and it will be really hard to stretch out that arm. So that is definitely the factor of kind of locking your, like locking your eye muscles and your attention to a, to a near point object that's not healthy. Like that, we, our eyes were not meant to be locked into one distance. It's like we're not meant to be sitting cross-legged for eight hours a day or something like that, right? So that's, that's one aspect. So, However, the, yeah, go ahead. What, what do we do about this though? So if I, cause I'm just, I want to jump ahead and I apologize, but if I, <laughs> if I have a four-year-old and the school says he needs glasses, what should I as a parent say, Hey, what can we do to give him the best chance? Uh, should we get glasses? Is it, does it depend on there's different predispositions that are more physical or more genetic or is it, Hey, let's, let's do these exercises or let's change this thing and you know, a diet, whatever it is. What do we do about that? Great question. So as I said, you have to differentiate between farsightedness, which is more normal in children, like in terms of, you know, genetics or the eyes are not aligned and there's something called vision therapy. Um, If you like, if your eyes are not working together, you don't have depth perception basically, right? So this is something that behavioral or developmental optometrists help your child with. I don't believe that glasses are a good idea for, for children for farsightedness. And again, just to, to make sure I'm clear, farsighted means you cannot see far very well, but you can no, see no, up close, or is the other, no, other way around? No, it's the other way around. I know it's so confusing. It far-sighted, sure is. Far-sighted, far-sighted means you can see means, far. <laughs> yes, you can see far, but reading is challenging. So gotcha. that's what I had. That's what I had. And usually, like they say, it can take up to age 15 for the visual system to be completely developed. So a farsighted child might struggle in school because it's it, it's like a... Um, it's called convergence insufficiency when they have a problem converging the eyes at the near point and kids can pull it off, but it's an effort, right? It's an effort. So it's, it's like a tricky line of, do you give them glasses to help them? Um, but then don't have them wear glasses when they're, when they're playing sports or when they're outside. Um, but that's something where developmental optometrists can usually help. 
The other thing that I want to talk about that's usually more common nowadays is what you had, nearsightedness, right? Where you cannot see the, the distance clearly. So the teacher is like, hey, you're a little boy. You know, he cannot read the blackboard. You need to get him glasses. And this is what I hear all the time nowadays. And in Asia, I mentioned that in my talk when we met in Singapore, it's now 90% of children and youth are nearsighted. It's wow. In Asia, it's and and is, there, is there an issue um, with getting glasses too early? Like, are their mm -hmm. eyes going to adjust even worse because they adjust to a new normal that's artificial? Is, right. is there a danger to that? Yes. Yes. And let me, let me back to this. Two things I want to mention about this. So first of all, now, now that you know that all babies are farsighted, when a kid is like, you know, five, six, seven years old, and they're suddenly nearsighted, meaning the eyeball is now getting into the elongated state, usually there is some emotional stuff happening. And, you know, trauma is such a big word. I prefer the, you know, adverse childhood events. And it doesn't have to be this big thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, divorce or, you know, somebody died or they moved a lot or, you know, bullied in school. Like there's a lot of these things. It could be little things that parents say to a child, you know, and I raised two daughters and I said a lot of things that, you know, we don't, we don't know any better, right? It's not, you know, but it could be bullying. I was bullied in school. So there's a lot of, like a child, it's, it's basically what we call pseudomyopia. You're basically, your nervous system, there's, there's a fear. There's a fear. For some reason, there's a, there's a fear, right? Uh, or a scariness about the future, about, you know, let's say the parents divorce or you move or you don't have any friends because you have to go to a new school. So you're in that kind of, you're not going to school, hey, this is the best day, cool, I'm going to see my buddies. But you're like going in maybe with a tight stomach, you know, with like clenched jaw and being really scared. And your nervous system is in that fight or flight mode, right? So if that is continuously going on, um, and the emotions play a role with that. And there's a fear and maybe loneliness or scared. You, your vision will be blurry. And so your child is not really nearsighted, but then you go to the eye doctor and then they get glasses. And what happens is that that actually manifests because it doesn't address the root cause. It manifests that problem and it will elongate the eyeball. And one more thing I know, I've, it's a long story, but they did animal experiments, which I think are very fascinating in that regard. They did experiments with chickens, uh, monkeys, and frogs, and put minus and plus lenses on these, you know, um, animals' eyes. Minus is what the minus lens is what you would get for nearsightedness. So what what you had, right? You had a minus something prescription, and somebody that's farsighted that cannot see the near point has a plus, like a magnifying glass, basically. Those are the reading glasses. Right, and so the animals that had the the minus lenses, the eyeballs elongated. And the ones that got the plus contact lenses on the eyes, the eyeballs shortened. So basically, the eyes reacted so that they could see clearly. So they changed their physiology, you know, based on the lens they, they, were, they got to see clearly. And so there is very strong suggestion that the human eye reacts the same way, but we don't, there's no testing with children, obviously, right? So we're not like, oh, let's test this out. Um, yeah, so this is... Why, but that's pretty close if you're testing it with primates that are our closest right. relative and they're watching. Right. So you're saying that the eyeballs in the, in the primates were adjusting and changing mm -hmm. shape when presented with the lens in front of them for different lenses. So our right. eyes are, are adapting to the glasses and we're supposed to have the glasses adapt to how our eyes naturally are. Yeah, and that's why, you know, usually when people get glasses they get worse and worse, right? So, you you know, they might start with a minus one and then before you know it, it's a minus one and a half and That's then right. it's a minus two. 
I mean, I've seen children with like minus six or seven diopters, like, you know, it, incredibly strong glasses, because again, it doesn't address the actual root cause. Like what was going on? Like when I asked my, my students, right, I'm like, when you got your glasses, like what was happening? They're like, sometimes they're like, oh, nothing, everything was fine. And then, yeah, my mom said this and that, and I'll be moved or I was bullied or usually there's some kind of story, you know, or maybe, I, you know, somebody was abused, you know, verbally or sexually or, and, you know stuff that was buried, right? That was kind of not addressed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so let, let's, let me ask you this then. So are you saying that everything, there's some kind of a, not trauma, you said so, some really cruel word, some, what was the phrase you used? Adverse childhood event. <laughs> That's a great word. A <laughs> uh, great phrase, adverse childhood event. Um, and I'm guessing probably the same thing for adults as well. Because, you know, again, I didn't get glasses till I was 18, 19. And I started into the mortgage business. I don't like, I don't remember any traumas or adverse events other than maybe having a more stressful lifestyle, obviously, because now but that's a good example. Office. So you probably, did you go to college? Like it's, you no, know, college I, I went, myopia? No, I went from, I went from uh, high school. I graduated early because I was in continuation school and I got ahead in credits. Um, when I, I was clean and sober, I had used in, in high school and then I got clean and I graduated early and went right in, um, March of my graduation year, right into the mortgage business and went right into that. I always assumed it was because I was working in front of computers all the time. And when, you know, I graduated in 1998, so we had computers, but I wasn't in front of it all the time. We didn't have smartphones, you know, and all that stuff. Right. So I just assumed but, it was because I was looking at a computer all day. No, I, I don't think, think that's that the case. Was, no, but let me ask you this. How much did you like this business? This is something that you were happy to do every day? Or I was. Like, oh. I actually did like it a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I was so, excited to like learn it and figure it out, and, uh, and I started succeeding in it. But again, the only thing I could figure is if anything, it was you know not everybody was happy about it. Sometimes borrowers you know would be upset because something didn't go right, and I became the person who would talk to them. So there was mm -hmm. definitely that stress you know uh, in the business. Yeah, maybe that. I mean, it's it's not always. See, this is the thing. It's not always oh, there's this one thing, right? It's sometimes a culmination of several aspects and. You said you used before you got clean. I mean, that was a probably intense journey. So I'm not saying that this is always like, it's always this exact same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe you had the stress, you had that responsibility and you were still pretty young. So, and then combining it with being at the near point, right? So it's a lot of times, it's a combination of different things. Another thing that they found out with several studies of populations and with these animal studies too, is that sunlight, they, they, now believe that sunlight stimulates the dopamine receptors in your retina to make your eyeball grow the correct size. And they, they did that with the chickens too. So they put like some chickens got like an eye patch on one of the eyes and that eyeball grew too long and created nearsightedness also. And they looked at children that played two or more hours outside every day versus children that spent most of their days inside. And especially in Asia, that's a big thing, right? There's a lot of pressure and studying. And the children that played two or more hours outside had way lower rates of nearsightedness than those that spent most of their days indoors. So, you know, that could be a combination too that you spending, that you were studying a lot maybe, or, you know, were spending more time indoors versus being out in the, you know, when I was little, we looked, we laid in the grass and looked at the clouds. Like we had so much time, you know, we foraged through the forest and we, you know, we, we were outside pretty much the whole afternoon. 
Well, that's not the case now. Well, hey, what's no. your, speaking of sunshine and outside, I've heard some interesting rumors and, and and studies about sunglasses. What's your take on sunglasses when it comes to eyesight? Is, is that potentially detrimental? Meaning same, same kind of deal, right? You're having a lens that's changing the natural sunlight so your eyes are adapting to what's not real. Is there anything to that or are sunglasses safe? Okay, this is a great question too. I love your questions, Matt. So, okay, this is a this is near and dear to my heart, Claudia. <laughs> so, I honestly, what we have we have built-in sunglasses, and they're called pupils, and they get very tiny. <laughs> so true, so true. They get very small when it's very bright, and when it's dark at night, they open up. So, I do not recommend sunglasses. I was super, super, super light sensitive before I learned all this. And I lived in, I already lived in Los Angeles and I wore sunglasses even on overcast days because it was too bright. And when I learned that, you know, light sensitivity is actually related to so-called refractive errors, refractive errors are astigmatism, farsightedness, nearsightedness, and that light sensitivity is related to that. I stopped wearing sunglasses. I put a, usually when it's really bright or when the angle of the sun is weird, I put a baseball cap on or a hat. And usually it's just the angle, right? When you put a hand like flat, you know, like over your eyes, you know, usually that's all you need. Um, so sunglasses have the problem that they let your eyes, your pupils actually open up behind the sunglasses because they block a lot of, especially the dark ones that are really dark, right? They block the light. So your pupils open up. Um, and that means that you never actually train your pupil reaction. And the consequence for me and for many of my students was that night driving was challenging. When you have like a bright, you know, bright headlights coming at you and it takes too long for the pupils to contract and then the car passes you and it takes too long for them to open, you're feeling like you have that blind, you know, that time where everything, you can't see anything. And that's completely gone for me. I can look into the brightest like scene on headlights now and it doesn't bother me at all. Wow, what yeah. a fascinating thing. Okay, so so do if you can do away with sunglasses, I'm totally with that. And then, right. Claudia, but I wanted to, can I say one quick disclaimer though, please? Sure. Because if you like, if you take, you know, you talked about using, if you take any drugs that dilate your pupils, if you have any kind of eye disease, you know, please come. Oh yes. Check with your doctor, or if you're in extreme conditions, let's say you're skiing and it's all white and bright sunshine, then you know, please use sunglasses. I'm talking about our day to day kind of normal life not extreme like fishing on the ocean or, you know, I'm not talking about the extreme conditions or any kind of eye diseases or, you know, so I want to make sure that people, you know. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Clear. That's actually really important because like, you know, I've been a mountaineer for 20 years and, you know, glacier goggles are really important, especially when right. you're going across the snow. Snow blindness is a real thing that, but that's, yes. that's definitely to your point, an extreme condition that's not normal. But every day when you get in your car, you drive to the grocery store, you don't have any special eye disease, any weird circumstance, hey, consider, you know, and maybe try it out as an experiment. As long as you can healthfully do so, try it out a day with sunglasses, a day without, go a week without sunglasses, see how that goes. I actually, you know, I haven't had sunglasses in years because I don't know if this is true or not, but um, I heard something around um, your eyesight and, and the sun, how much sun you're taking in as connected to even pigmentation and um, natural sunblock. So how your skin is going to be sunburned or not. And I thought, you know, I don't know if it's true, but it makes sense that if, I, if, I'm, if I'm changing my eyes, maybe my brain is thinking, hey, there's less sun than I think there is. And shockingly, I actually, maybe it was mental and totally psychological, or maybe there's something to it, but I've gotten a lot less sunburns <laughs> when I go out in the sun without sunglasses. Um, 
let me shift though as we wind down here because we we got to um, get you on on the road here. The last major question I have is around the let's call it far sightedness for age forty and up. It's very well known. Everyone knows, quote unquote, that when you're forty, when you hit fifty, you're probably going to need reading glasses. It's age related, as you said. What is the best thing we can do aside from what you mentioned on nutrition? Aside from you know, de-stressing and looking at, at traumas or different, you know, events and whatnot. What else are things we can do to prevent the need for reading glasses as we age? So reading glasses, yeah, like you said, it's common, but it's not normal. And one of my dearest friends, he just passed away at 101 years old a couple of weeks ago. He never wore glasses and he's one of many examples. So what you, readers, first of all, if you start with readers, you're going to be in progressives in a few years. Like readers kill not just your near vision, but they also kill your far vision. That was probably really good at that before, right? You might've had 2020, 2015 vision. So what you want to do is um, use the methods that I'm teaching, which is based on relaxation, which is based on um, practicing your, your eye movements, right? You want natural eye movements are, it's not just near to far. It's like the idea of moving, you know, your peripheral vision versus your central vision, Something that I really want your listeners to understand is that our anatomy of the eye that we talked about a little bit earlier, the fovea inside the macula, that spot of perfect vision, is the size of a pinhead. It's teeny, 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 tiny. And that's the area of your perfect clarity. So when you're reading, notice that, you let's say you're looking at a word, that you look at the first letter and you see that clearly, you see that better than everything else. The letter that's next to it is still clearer than the one that's at the end of the sentence, right? But so moving your attention and moving your eyes is super important. And this is something that I'm teaching. And I see people that are older enlarge the, you know, let's say the, the screen on their phone, they have that phone set to like oh, a yeah. big font, All right? All my aunts and uncles do. Right. And so the problem with that is that, the, so that concept of it's actually called central fixation that or central clarity. So the bigger the word the more likely you can try to make an effort to see that whole word clear when in reality you you move your eyes like think of underlining a line of text right like and kids actually do that naturally they usually use a finger right like to, to kind of keep their focus so when you kind of think of like moving your attention along the line of text versus trying to see the whole line or the whole paragraph clear at once which is anatomically impossible so you know, using those eye movements, using your attention. And of course, that's something you need to practice. You also need to practice looking up close, what we talked about earlier, the converging, like crossing your eyes. So there's, there's practices, there's kind of exercises, right? But there's also relaxercises <laughs> that, nah. I, that I teach. And, um, and then also, you know, be like checking in. A lot of times people in their 40s or 50s, like how happy are you with your life? Are you fulfilled? Because, and we didn't get, because we can talk for four hours, we didn't get to touch on the um, connection between eyesight and vision and your life purpose and, you know, how you see yourself and what you want to see in your life. Like a lot of times there is kind of this, oh God, like 10 more years till retirement, or there's a lot of that, you know, like where you kind of feel stuck, you know, between, you know, your aging parents and your kids. And so look at your life too, like, oh, how happy are you? How fulfilled are you? Um, how, how tense are you? How, you know, how, um, how do I say this? How stuck are you in your mind or how, you know, like, you know, a lot of older people, like 
Like they have sure. very rigid, rigid, yeah, we're like, talking a rigid life mindset. vision, life, vision, right. natural vision, and where are you in life? And that's certainly a big thing. Um, Claudia, by the way, if you want to find out more about this, you can, Claudia has a great Facebook group. So you can go to groups and search, see clearly without glasses for great discussion and resources and interacting with Claudia here. And then you can also follow her on Instagram at holistic vision coach on Instagram. And then real quick, as, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, Claudia, you have a great, uh, this is a free resource. Anyone can grab hold of this free resources, 10 habits for healthy and happy eyes and 10 habits. You can start implementing them today, right away. Teach your children, teach yourself, teach your parents at any age, no matter what's going on. These are going to help you. It's 10 habits for healthy and happy eyes. And you can get that at naturallyclearvision.com, naturallyclearvision.com slash 1010, the number 10, habits, slash 10 habits. And we'll have a link in the show notes if you head over to the on-demand platforms, I, uh, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get this show on demand. We'll have all of Claudia's links in the show notes. Claudia, thank you for coming on. This has been a very enlightening and um, new vision for me uh, conversation. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with eyesight. If we have one thing to leave with the listener right now, what is one thing you want them to remember or know about eyesight? I want everybody to know that you can, that you can affect your vision, that basically you can make it worse and you can make it better and empower yourself to take care of your vision. And don't just trust your doctor, especially your optometrist who's, you know, and I'm not saying that they're evil people, but they make money by selling your glasses and contacts. So really question if you need a new pair of glasses, if your vision is still good enough. And if you get a new prescription and it feels too strong, don't use those glasses because like those chickens and monkeys, you make your vision worse by wearing glasses that are too strong. So return them, stand up for your vision, stand up for your own vision. That's pretty much what I really want everybody to know. Very do. good. Claudia, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Uh, wow, what a, what a wonderful time. Claudia Mullenweg, um, Naturally Clear Vision. So, hey, I don't, I, I don't know every, all the science behind this, but I think, man, I've been in this world of personal development for many, many years. You probably have too at some level. So if you're running a business, if you uh, have some kind of a vision in your life, certainly look to take control of your natural vision as well as everything else. You know, there's spiritual vision, there's um, purpose vision, and there's natural vision. So teach people this stuff and definitely go check out Claudia's resources. Um, I think that's, again, something that is so exciting, 10 Habits for Healthy and Happy Eyes. And you can get it at naturallyclearvision.com forward slash 10 habits. Um, check out the show below. Make sure you get it on demand. And if you haven't already, go get the Driven Entrepreneur on demand it's anywhere where you find podcasts, search The Driven Entrepreneur and you can subscribe. You can also rate and review on that platform. We sure appreciate it, but you can subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. We have some great ones coming out uh, down the track just a little bit here. So thank you for listening. Get out there and stay driven and keep seeing, keep your vision. All right, later. Later. 